0: This is a podcast by The Business Times. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the BT Mark-to-Market podcast. My name is Ben Paul, and I'm a senior correspondent at The Business Times. This series of podcasts, which is based on my weekly column in The Business Times, aims to provide analysis and insight on market trends and corporate issues in Singapore. We're in the month of August 2022, and one topic that has repeatedly made headlines over the last few months is the proliferation of online scams. In particular, there was a spate of phishing scams involving OCBC late last year, where its customers had been essentially duped into revealing their bank credentials to scammers, who then used the information to transfer money out of their bank accounts. Now, OCBC eventually decided to reimburse all its customers who had lost money to the scammers, but the Monetary Authority of Singapore, as well as the banks, are being careful now to ensure this does not become a precedent – In February, MAS emphasized that OCBC's goodwill payouts were just that. It was goodwill and a one-off gesture that was made because OCBC had itself felt that it had not met its own expectations of customer service when the scams happened. MAS also said that it's working on a framework for the equitable sharing of losses arising from scams, and that customers have a responsibility to take certain precautions when they do online banking transactions. The mark-to-market column in July questioned whether this loss-sharing framework is really a good idea, and suggested that the banks should bear the costs of phishing scams. That particular column received a lot of feedback, and the feedback was mostly negative. The idea that depositors should get their money back after giving away their bank credentials to unknown persons did not sit well with many readers of the Business Times. Not long after, on the 18th of July... MAS also said that the development of the loss-sharing framework is taking longer than expected in view of the complexity of the issues. So I thought it would be a good idea to talk about the implications of a loss-sharing framework for phishing scams. In this podcast, I will talk about why many people reflexively think a loss-sharing framework is a good idea. I'll also look into the potential risks and inherent unfairness of such a framework and what bank customers can do to protect themselves. I will also suggest an alternative way for MAS to push for accountability in the banking ecosystem in relation to phishing scams. Let me start by saying that online scams are a sign of the times. Businesses have increasingly created online channels to better serve their customers, and in the wake of the pandemic, even the least tech-savvy people, including myself, have been forced to get comfortable with transacting online. All this activity in cyberspace has naturally drawn the attention of criminals, who often operate from some offshore location. In fact, the Singapore Police Force said in February that there was a decrease in physical crimes on our streets in 2021, but there was an increase in the total number of reported crimes because of a 52.9% jump in scam cases. So the proliferation of these scams are now driving Singapore's crime statistics, The scams themselves take many forms. There are love scams, of course, which we often read about. There are also investment scams and e-commerce scams. And there are various kinds of phishing scams. But what I'm focusing on here are phishing scams that involve the banks. So, for example, the scammer might send you an SMS or email that appears to be from one of the banks claiming that there are problems with your account. You're encouraged to click on the link embedded in the SMS, which takes you to a fake web page that asks for your bank credentials. And the scammers then use that information that you've unwittingly provided to empty out your bank account. Instances of these sorts of scams have increased exponentially. The Singapore Police Force said in February that there were 2,237 reported cases of such banking-related phishing scams in 2021. That was 897 more than in 2020. The victims of these particular scams lost $19.4 million in 2021, which was $14.1 million more than in 2020. The largest sum lost was $1 million. What bothered me about these bank-related phishing scams is that the victims believed they were dealing with their own banks. They were not trying to get rich quick or trying to win the approval or affection of somebody or, or trying to get something to which they were not entitled. They had simply been tricked into giving away their bank credentials to the scammers. In effect, the scammers were not just exploiting the gullibility of the victims, but also the weaknesses of the online platforms of the banks. In fact, after the spate of phishing scams suffered by customers of OCBC late last year, the banks began to take remedial measures. This included setting the threshold for funds transfer notifications at $100 or lower, and sending notifications to customers' existing mobile numbers and email addresses whenever there's a request to change them. The banks have also removed clickable links from emails and SMSs and pledged to send out more frequent scam education alerts, and they will put in place dedicated and well-resourced customer assistance teams to quickly deal with feedback on potential fraud cases. Bank customers will also be provided with a self-service kill switch to suspend their accounts quickly if they suspect these accounts have been compromised. On top of that, the banks will facilitate rapid account freezing and fund recovery operations by co-locating staff at the Singapore Police Force Anti-Scam Centre. I'll delve further into some of these remedial measures later, but the fact that they are being implemented suggests that the banks had not been all that vigilant in monitoring emerging threats and had perhaps underinvested in the security of their online platforms. So it seemed unfair to me that MAS is now pushing for losses from these phishing scams to be shared with bank customers. Being scammed can be catastrophic for an unwary bank customer, but the banks can easily absorb the losses. OCBC reportedly made full goodwill payouts to 790 customers who had lost a total of $13.7 million in the spate of phishing scams late last year. This was a drop in the ocean compared to the nearly $10.6 billion in total income that OCBC reported for 2021. More to the point, OCBC felt obligated to reimburse its customers because of its own failings. MAS ought to hold OCBC up as an example for the other retail banks. Not only did OCBC behave honorably, making the banks wholly responsible for losses arising from scams might also be an effective way to address underinvestment in their online platforms. The banks would be incentivized to be more vigilant about emerging threats and ensure that their online banking platforms are safe for users who really have no other choice. But as I said at the beginning of this podcast, many of our readers did not agree that banks ought to be wholly responsible for the losses from phishing scams. In fact, many of them seemed shocked and horrified that I would even suggest it. I'm going to talk about that next.
1: Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. And now back to our podcast episode.
0: To be honest, I was not entirely surprised that the mark-to-market column received such negative feedback after suggesting that the banks ought to bear the losses from phishing scams. My own colleagues at the Business Times expressed the same view to me before that particular column ran. The notion that depositors should get their money back after giving away their bank credentials to unknown persons, quite understandably, does not sit well with many people. After all, the scammers had not hacked into the computer systems of any bank. It was the depositors who had let them in. Some readers worried that making the banks reimburse depositors would create a moral hazard problem, which is to say, if depositors know they are shielded from any risk, they might behave even more irresponsibly. Some of my colleagues suggested that it might even encourage depositors in Singapore to collude with one another and scam the banks by reporting fake phishing cases and demanding to be reimbursed. Then there were folks who felt that the banks are already overburdened by regulation and cannot be expected to thwart financial crime on their own. One reader sent me an email suggesting that telecoms companies ought to bear some responsibility for the cybercrimes and fraud their networks facilitate. The same reader went on to suggest that purveyors of luxury goods and exotic sports cars and trophy homes should be required to look into the sources of their clients' wealth. It shouldn't just be left to the banks to do these checks. Other readers wondered if making the banks responsible for ensuring unwary customers are not scammed might result in the banks making their online platforms more restrictive and cumbersome for everyone else to use. There were also concerns that the banks might be deterred from making further investments in technology that would reduce costs and deliver greater convenience. In short, many people seem to think that bank customers should be responsible for themselves. If they're tricked into revealing their banking credentials to scammers, that's just too bad. One comment I spotted on the social media feed of a reader said, you can't legislate against stupid. Now, I think these are all interesting arguments, but they haven't changed my mind that the banks ought to bear the cost of phishing scams. Here's why. The sharp increase in phishing scams that we have seen is not the result of bank customers being careless or reckless. Instead, it's partly the result of more customers transacting online as banks push them out of their branches and onto their online platforms. It's also because scammers have become increasingly aggressive in their attacks. Unfortunately, as the feedback I received demonstrated, many people are generally inclined to portray the bank customers as the problem. And the well-intentioned reminders we keep hearing from the banks and MAS that customers must be vigilant and that they have a responsibility to take precautions arguably stigmatizes the victims of these crimes by supporting the narrative that being scammed is simply the result of negligence and irresponsibility. The reality is that the banks have built their online platforms on networks they do not fully control. As I mentioned earlier, web pages and SMSs can be faked, and the scammers will only become more creative and cunning over time. So, under the circumstances, does it really make sense for the banks and MAS to demand ever greater awareness and vigilance from bank customers? Or is it time for the banks to rethink the fundamental workings of their online platforms? The remedial measures that the banks have taken, which I mentioned earlier, like lowering the threshold for fund transfer notifications, sending out more scam education alerts and giving customers a kill switch to freeze their own accounts, seem to be stopgap measures. The banks have a duty, in my view, to come up with a solution that fundamentally addresses the risk of phishing scams and ensure they do not make fund transfers that their customers did not authorise. Now, I'm not pretending to have a solution. This is something that only the banks can do. And if the banks were made responsible for losses from phishing scams, they would have a very strong incentive to find a solution. Interestingly, MAS seems to be thinking hard about this matter. When MAS first announced the framework for the equitable sharing of losses from scams back in February, it said it would publish the framework for public consultation within three months. And the basis of how the losses would be apportioned seemed clear. MAS said at the time that the proportion of losses that the banks and their customers would bear would depend on whether and how each party falls short of its responsibilities. Financial institutions have a responsibility to protect their customers, including through robust controls to safeguard customer accounts, as well as measures to detect and respond to suspicious transactions. On the other hand, MAS said, customers have a responsibility to take necessary precautions. This includes not giving away their banking credentials to anyone, never clicking on links embedded in SMSs or emails purportedly sent by the banks, and transacting only through the official websites and mobile apps of their banks. So MAS seem to have the same view as many of our readers. If bank customers are somehow tricked into giving away their bank credentials, that's just too bad. But MAS now seems to think the matter is rather more complex and it has decided to take more time to finalize the framework. I don't know what complexities MAS encountered, but I think it's a good thing that it's moving cautiously. My view is making customers liable for losses from phishing scams is fraught with risk. MAS should carefully consider if this will make customers more vigilant or if it will just erode their confidence in online banking altogether. I also think while concerns about moral hazard are valid, MAS should look at that issue from all angles. Personally, I find it hard to believe that customers will behave recklessly if banks underwrote the losses from phishing scams. After all, there would have to be lengthy investigations before any reimbursement payments are made, and nobody would want to be separated from their funds for any length of time. MAS should perhaps also consider if a loss-sharing framework would lead to perverse outcomes. For instance, it could result in the banks focusing on how to shift the blame to their customers instead of repelling the scammers. And maybe MAS should consider if accountability within the ecosystem would be better fostered by promoting greater transparency than creating a law sharing framework. For instance, MAS could publish regular reports of all phishing scams suffered by retail banks, including the details of the scams and the vulnerabilities they exposed, the numbers of customers affected and sums lost, and the extent to which the banks chose to reimburse their customers. The information would be useful for bank customers to determine the risks they face in dealing with each of the banks. It might also incentivize the banks, through competition, to monitor and head off evolving threats By making appropriate and timely investments in their online platforms. So, what does all this mean for you and me? The way I see it, the growing threat of phishing scams has increased the risk of dealing with a single bank, especially the largest banks, as their customers are most likely to be attacked by scammers. My suggestion is to spread your cash savings across different retail banks. It might make your life more complicated. But it would lower the likelihood of all your cash savings being lost if you're ever the victim of a bank related phishing scam. That's it for this episode of Mark to Market. My name is Ben Paul, and I'm
1: a senior correspondent at The Business Times. That was a podcast by The Business Times. Send your feedback to podcastsph.com.sg. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa enabled devices. For more podcasts by The Straits Times, The Business Times, and Money FM 89.3, you can also download the Audio by SPH app. That's A W E D I O. This podcast is meant to provide general information only.